0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are heading to Canada to talk with Mark Leslie, an author of numerous books, consultant and editor. His latest book, Hex and the City, is out now. So welcome, Mark, to the RV.
2: Oh, thanks, Lucia. This is an awesome RV, and you are driving so incredibly well. I feel safe and comfortable.
1: Thank you. I'm happy that you (laughs) feel safe. (laughs) So, Mark, as an author of paranormal books, let's play a hypothetical game. Sounds fun. So, if you were to wake up one day and discover you've transformed into a friendly monster what kind of monster would you be
2: oh wow that's uh that's a good one um i i I, th- I think i have to go with werewolf only because i'm more familiar mm-hmm. with the mythology having mm-hmm. had to do a lot of research in order to write the canadian werewolf novels but also because the wolves are very similar to uh, dogs and uh and i'm very familiar with dogs um as a as a household with, mm-hmm. with dogs and there's yeah. and, and there's a lot of similarities in that sort of you know in the canine species between wolves and and dogs etc and the other thing too is i think dogs are among the most loyal uh, yeah. you know uh, of any animal species uh, that you'll that you'll find and so I think there's something admirable about that that's I'd want to have that, that mm-hmm.
1: attribute. yeah that's interesting um, and how would you use the newfound monster powers to entertain and enlighten the world
2: <laughs> well I, I think one of the things I'd want to do is I'd want to help the world see that just because somebody's different doesn't mean uh, that there's something wrong with them. Uh, and, and and that way, other people who, who have di- other differences could uh, could embrace that or feel connected, even though there may be a, a, a different thing that uh, is different about them, rather than being somebody who's a half-man, <laughs> half-wolf yeah. beast. Um, obviously, it. you know, it comes with, um, comes with special abilities and stuff like that. And being a big fan of the Spider-Man comics, of course, I would probably want to put those... to some sort of positive use to help other people
1: yeah that's good because i i remember when i was reading about werewolves i remember they were always nice you know in my view it's not i never thought they were they were (laughs) bad it was just the curse yeah just like the beauty and the beast
2: (laughs) yeah that that's how that's how i've envisioned it anyways at least in the fiction is, is i've envisioned it as a okay, this is something that happens to you. It doesn't necessarily make you an evil person, but you have to deal with it. You have to live with the fact that you're going to turn into a wolf mm-hmm. uh, during during the run of a full moon. And um, and and that's just something you have to deal with. Uh, like Just like people have to deal with other side effects. Like, you know, I have to put my contacts in in the morning or put on my glasses in order for me to be able to drive, be able to see things. <laughs> It's just, it's one of the things you kind of get used to, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, it's normal. Like, you know, we put on clothes before we go outside in most Western cultures, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Mark, having published more than a dozen full-length books, yeah. you have an impressive background as an author. I was reading about you, I checked your website, and we would love to learn more about your journey and how you initially got started in writing
2: oh that's a great question so i mean i i started at an early age i i hammered out my very first i thought was an epic novel it was only about thirty thousand words but you know around the age of 14 uh, on a typewriter because there really weren't computers back then and uh, or the the you know the commodore 64 and and the Vic 20 and stuff were just starting to come out around that time. But, you know, I I wrote the, I I really always wanted to write stories. Uh, That was a passion of mine. I started to send short stories away to magazines and other publications to try to get my stories published. I think the first uh, submission and rejection I got at the age of 15 Uh, and after hundreds and hundreds of rejections, sending out stories, by the time I graduated from university it was 1992, my very, very first short story was published. And and that was, you know, in a print magazine. And I think it was $5 is what I earned mm-hmm. uh, for for that. And that was sort of the beginning of, of that recognition. And then shortly after, I just kept sending stories out and they kept getting stories published in magazines. Now, I didn't, um, my first book didn't come out until 2004. And what I did is I took, the short stories, mostly horror stories, scary stories, Twilight Zone style tales. And I collected most of those, uh, or a lot of those reprint stories in uh, in a collection, a short story collection called One Hand Screaming. And it was really short. It was only about 170 pages. It was a bunch of uh, poems and stories. And then I threw in a couple other stories that hadn't been published before. And that was sort of the beginning. And that was, and I self-published that one back in 2004, because I was at a point where I had all these stories that had been published, but they were never published for long because they were in a magazine and the magazine was off the shelves and it was no longer available. So I wanted to bring my work back. And that was 2004 that I discovered that, oh, I can I can do some of this myself. Um, and so from that point on, uh, I have a combination of books that have been published with various publishers and other books that I have done myself. And, and I embrace both because... I have so many stories to tell and I can't just wait for somebody based on a four season selling cycle of trying to, you know, sell into the book market. Uh, I can tell my stories when I want them and uh, my readers can enjoy them at whatever pace I want.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you started when you were 15 years old and you self-published in 2004. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, fifteen. It wasn't probably until I was, um, I, I guess, twenty twenty one, uh, when when my first story finally sold <laughs> to a market, and then uh, over the years I collected more and more and more. And so it was, well, to uh, nineteen ninety two, had a whole bunch of short stories published from that point on, and then in two thousand and four, I took a lot of those stories, and and that's when I decided to just collect them together and self publish them. Wow,
1: that's impressive. Nowadays, it's very easy to self-publish, but at those times were not that easy.
2: There were no ebooks weren't a thing. So what I had to do is I had to figure out how to format a book, get it into PDF, make it look like a real book. Because and there were no temp like I, I worked in the book industry, right? So when I graduated from university, I started working as a bookseller. So I was surrounded by books my entire life, anyways. And so what I did is I is I, I learned how to format. I formatted it to make it look as much like a real book, just like something that came from a publisher. And I had to create an account with Ingram, uh, Lightning Source, um, and and back then, you had to do a lot of gymnastics, uh, digital gymnastics, in order to get things published. And so it was built for publishers to use, and and. You know, I had to behave like I had to learn how to behave like a publisher. I had to learn the business. And fortunately, I knew the business well because I had been working in it since 1992. That's also when I started working in the book industry. And so when I put that book out, I even did things like I created an imprint, just like a publisher would have. That's where Stark Publishing came from. I registered that as a business here in Ontario, Canada. And and you know, got an ISBN, registered that, and and all of the things that you have to do. Um, for, you know, behaving like a, a publisher. And then, of course, it wasn't until about 2009, 2010, that Smashwords.com and Kindle Direct Publishing allowed uh, it easier, uh, you know, to publish ebooks and things like that. And, that. and then, of course, that was the next step in the evolution. So One Hand Screaming was only available in print. And then, you know, I was able to make an ebook. book um, and, and by then, I edited a horror anthology called Campus Chills, that was in 2009, and that was print and ebook uh, as well. So, as the technology has grown, I've continued to adapt and to learn, you know, the new things that you can do. So now, you know, with Hex in the City, it's available in hardcover, it's available in trade paperback, it's available in ebook. Now, the audiobook's still in production because yeah. uh, it's a it's a it's dual uh, point of view. So it's told from the point of view of Michael Andrews, the Canadian werewolf. And Gail Summers, um, who is sort of his um, partner, teammate, companion, you know, they fight the bad guys together kind of stuff. And uh, and so Julie Strauss wrote Gail's point of view, and I wrote Michael's point of view. And so the audiobook, um, Scott Overton does the voice of Michael Andrews, and he always has from the beginning of the series. And Sarah Sampino does the voice of Gail. And so we're just waiting on Sarah's part for the book so I can then release the audiobook but all the previous books have <laughs> have audio hardcover paperback ebook um large print coming and i'm still working on those ones
1: congratulations mark Thanks. you wow well, this is fantastic what you've been doing and you've just published this book that it's called hex and the city
2: yeah
1: can you Tell us a little bit about this book.
2: So it's part of the Canadian Werewolf series. It is the sixth book uh, in the series. Um, And what I should kind of explain. So the Canadian Werewolf series is about Michael Andrews, who is um, the very first novel in the series was called A Canadian Werewolf in New York. And he is a a, a humble, small-town Canadian, much like myself, living in one of the world's largest cities, New York City, and it happens to be cursed. He turns into a wolf uh, for 10 days every month during the cycle of full moon. He actually turns into a wolf, has no human consciousness. So he has to deal with the side effects of waking up naked in Battery Park with a bullet in his leg, the taste of blood in his mouth and, and not knowing what he did the night before. So there's some humor in him waking up naked and having to scramble to get clothes so he can get home and not get seen running around naked in a major city. And so there's there's a lot of humor as he deals with the side effects of it. Now, also, the side effects is when he's a human, he has enhanced senses and strength. So he can smell people's fear. He can smell their emotions. He can tell if they're lying or not based on their scent. He uh, can hear their heartbeat and things like that. He has really, really acute hearing. And, of course, he has super strength, a little bit extra strength. So he uses this to help other people. And he gets into all kinds of because he can he can hear things going down, he steps in to help. Um, and so this whole series, I started it and the reason I went with the title a Canadian werewolf in New York is I wanted the title to sound very familiar like an American werewolf in London, right? a very popular uh, horror movie with with humorous elements. And so I wanted people to know that there was going to be humor in it, and so that I went with a cheeky title. And several of the other books in the series, so Fear and Longing in Los Angeles, Fright Night's Big City, and and of course uh, Hex in the City.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com
2: and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: Uh, they sound like, oh, sex in the city? Isn't that, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker and that team? Well, no, it's hex in the city because this involves magic and witchcraft and stuff like that. And so that was the whole idea. So I want people to know, what they're going to get they're going to get some action they're going to get some adventure they're going to get some paranormal action and adventure and they're definitely going to get some humor uh, as well so that's Hex in the City and what Hex in the City concerns itself is Michael and his best friend Gail who were formerly lovers Uh, when they first met they were boyfriend and girlfriend but Gail's left his life and then came back into his life and they're they're really really good friends and they kind of fight uh, the bad guys alongside one another Gail runs an occult shop in New York, and Michael's a writer, and so he first met her when he was researching the occult, and he needed some information, and then they kind of connected. So what Hex in the City is about is Gail and Michael uncover a curse that they find out about, an ancient curse that goes back, you know, generations, generations, hundreds of years, and they realize that the two of them being together is what's caused the curse to unfurl. Like, it's a curse on Gale's family. And Gale being connected to a wolf. And she does know that he turns into a wolf as well. She's one of the few people that he trusts with his secret. And so it's them trying to deal with this opening of this Pandora's box as these demons and all of this evil starts infiltrating itself into society. And Michael and Gale have to figure out a way to defeat this evil but they can't do it together because every time they get close together um bad stuff goes down. It's like a curse right So that's the that's the premise of of the novel.
1: it's very challenging ordeal to navigate
2: <laughs> well that's the whole that's why more people go well how are they going to get out of this
1: And I know that he's kind of a superhero. Yeah,
2: so yeah, I I I long been a fan of Spider-Man, huge Spider-Man fan, and so I I as I was writing Michael, the very first time I was writing Michael, I thought, well, if I were in this position and I had these extra powers, I would I would follow the same creed of with great power comes great responsibility, and so Michael, very similar, is inspired by Spider-Man, and so he tries to always do the right thing. Now he he's imperfect, he makes mistakes. Sometimes, you know, he, he tries to help out, for example, in, in the very first book, there's a scene where he sees a woman who says help Help! someone's taken my son, and then he sees a guy with a kid carrying a kid, you know, and, and, is, and assumes that that's the, the yeah. that's the abductor, and of course, mm-hmm. makes the mistake and grabs the wrong person. Because again, you know, sometimes we, we see things and it makes sense, even with enhanced senses, you can still make those mistakes. The other, the other important thing about Michael, and this is part of the humor, is I describe him as an alpha wolf, so dominant, strong alpha wolf figure, but he's a beta human. He's a pushover, very Canadian stereotype, right? Apologizes all the time. Canadians a pushover as well, and and that's very similar to Peter Parker and Spider Man. Peter Parker was a nerd, whatever, wallflower. And Spider Man when he put on the mask, he had a little bit more confidence because then he could crack jokes. And Michael does the same sort of thing. He makes wise uh wise cracks uh to the bad guys because often when you when you when you say do stuff like that, it causes them to get angry and then and then they're easier to defeat. <laughs>
1: so. mm-hmm. I love my Canadian friends and they are very, <laughs> very polite, very nice
2: people. We are we are very polite. <laughs>
1: And were there any specific themes or messages you aimed to explore through the Canadian werewolf series, especially concerning the man behind the monster concept?
2: Yeah, I mean, the whole idea was, um, for the majority of the novels, you rarely see them in wolf form. Because he has no human consciousness. And he's the narrator. He's sharing his story. With the exception of uh, Lover's Moon. And Hex in the City are are two novels where you actually get to see someone else's perspective. You get to see Gail's perspective for the first time. And so the whole point of it was. How do you deal with the side effect of being a wolf? Right, no, Knowing that you, you lose control. You have no idea what's happening when you turn into a wolf. So there's that aspect of. The duality of personalities, and so there's this. We all have dualities within ourselves, and 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 in in um, Bright Nights, Big City, Michael is fortunate enough to have encountered someone else who has a paranormal ability to cancel out magic and paranormal, and he doesn't turn into a wolf. But what happens is one of the side effects that he discovers is that as a human, he becomes. Really aggressive and mean and harsh because there's this this beast within him that is not allowed to roam free and run around Central Park at night and mm-hmm. so it's like this repression trying to repress who you are is <laughs> dangerous can be dangerous right yeah. so so there's little messages like that now obviously there's a huge uh, story arc uh, that takes place over the course of of, of sort of the uh, books three and four uh, in the series. It's not completely resolved, but because there's always this threat (laughs) of the bad guys. But there was a a neo Nazi group um, basically inspired by. um, uh, There was a, a book I read called Hitler's Monsters, really gigantic academic text talking about Hitler's experimentation with the paranormal and even trying to create werewolf soldiers and stuff like that. And so I have this group that have been inspired by. Hitler's monsters and all of the things they wanted to do and they actually have succeeded in creating um, a super race of paranormal humans with different abilities and so because again, you can't have this powerful werewolf take on regular humans because it's not fair, you have to have them face bad guys who are going to actually be able to hurt them.
1: I really want to read this book because when I was preparing your episode, I said, wow, poor, I feel so sorry. (laughs) about here, he must feel so sad, And but of course I didn't know that Gail was there for him yeah. yeah. and Mark, what is coming next for you?
2: Well, um, in this series uh, the next book, which is coming out in February 2024, is called Only Monsters in the Building uh, and again, a parody title of Only Murders in the Building, which you may have seen with Steve Martin and Martin uh, Short, mm-hmm. uh, sort of <laughs> a humorous mystery uh, in this particular one, Michael's trying to deal with just deal with um he's never really dealt with the the dual personality and how it's really upset his life and caused a lot of issues um particularly even this thing with Gail where he can't you know be be close to her and so he ends up going to therapy for monsters <laughs> he discovers there's a, a retreat in upstate New York where he's there with a whole bunch of other paranormal creatures and it's a secret thing because most people don't know the paranormals exist. And I thought it would be really, really fun to do a closed, uh closed room mystery where the therapist who is treating them, and they're there on their own, because it's not like a big facility where a lot of people know mm-hmm. about it. They're there on their own. There's about six other monsters. They're, you know, sitting around talking about their feelings and whatever. And um and any the therapist ends up uh being murdered and one of them did it and so there's this you know play a play on the the murder mystery and michael having to figure out who who murdered and and the thing too is if he could have done it when he was a wolf too which he doesn't know <laughs> that'll be a fun one
1: so the therapist was treating the monsters but one of them is going to murder him
2: yeah and- yeah And they're in a remote, uh, isolated remote sort of building in the middle of upstate New York. So there's no one else around. So that's that's the only people who could have done it were one of them. And so I uh, haven't started uh, writing that yet. I will very shortly. And I actually, the fun thing is, is I don't know who murdered. You know, I I, I wrote the scene where the the body is found and I created it in such a way that uh, I'm not sure who murdered who <laughs> murdered the therapist, but we'll we'll figure it out as I write it.
1: I'm not really a plotter. i I prefer to have the characters first, and then the story yeah. comes up afterwards.
2: So that's how this came. This came about with characters. I'm like, okay, so there's a you know, there's a there's a vampire turns into a bat, obviously, like a man man who turns into a vampire bat. I've got a mermaid. Uh, I've got a fairy um. I've got an ogre, and I've got uh, a wear uh, a wear cat. <laughs> I think those are the, um, and I think there may be one more. One no more unicorns,
1: no pet yeah. unicorn. I, I don't
2: have a unicorn in this one, but I just thought like taking a whole bunch of people, throwing them together. You no, know, for example, like the the ogre character is um, this like a troll kind of thing that's supposed to be under bridges and supposed to scare people away. But the ogre, the problem the ogre has is the ogre is very, very compassionate and an extrovert and likes people and wants to be with people. So can't really be what they're supposed to be because they're the opposite of what they're. So I'm having fun with some of the tropes uh, for paranormal creatures and just having having a little bit of fun uh, in the way that they play off one another. I think that would be, um, it'll be interesting to explore.
1: So can I read Hex in the City and then read the next one or should I start from the beginning since the New York
2: Yeah that's a great yeah. question so um they are meant to be read as standalone so for somebody who just picks up any book in the series there's enough of a there's enough of an update on what happened however when Hex in the City opens there's a lot of things that have happened that would be spoilers mm-hmm. so you, I mean, you'd go back and you would understand, you know, you know what happens. But um, I guess it's the suspense—is how did it happen and stuff like that. So what what Julie and I did for this one in particular is at the beginning of the book, we actually have a thing that says the story so far, and said, you know, it's meant it's meant to be if you were, you know, uh, if you're first encountering this book and you've not read the other books, it takes you to a website and it says warning: there are spoilers but it does a summary of what happens in each book just high level summary of what happens so a Canadian werewolf in New York is a single day for Michael from sun, da, sun up to sundown and it's hey, just you know, it happens it's it's a single day but he ends up uh, getting in a fight with another werewolf on the set of the David Letterman uh you know uh, 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 uh during a taping of the David Letterman show So, <laughs> while it's being recorded like backstage oh, so um um and that's sort of the premise the premise of the first book is just an exploration of a day in the life uh, of this man um and then of course as it goes on different things happen characters come into his life characters leave stuff like that so so there would be spoilers but people Mm -hmm. could pick it up and enjoy it and ideally if they pick it up and enjoy it they may go oh he talked about being on david letterman i want to go read that one or he talked about when he got stuck on a train headed for Stowe, vermont well i want to go read stowaway then um you know like because he was going to turn into a wolf before the train gets to the destination how's he going to deal with that when he's on a train with a bunch of other humans so um that's uh yeah it can be picked up at any point in time but you know uh ideally uh for the reader who wants to see sequentially it starts in 2014 i believe uh is where the uh, series starts and then it kind of works its way its way up i'm only at 2017 by this point in the series because in some cases everything happens in the space of a couple of weeks in in the whole story and you're done <laughs> so it's hard it's hard to advance in time like I did mm-hmm. skip a year here or there uh because again this isn't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where there's a million bad guys roaming around and a million things happening this is like a nor- more normal world more normal sometimes sometimes there's just nothing going on but standard day-to-day living. <laughs> And Mark,
1: where can we find you and your books online?
2: Everything uh, you want to know about me and things you don't want to know about me over at marklesley.ca.
1: The last question, do you ever stop thinking?
2: No. It this it, is a scary place in here. Uh, it never stops, never shuts off. There's just constant stuff going. I have to throw out 100 ideas a day because <laughs> I have no time to write them all. <laughs>
1: Very nice. So, Mark, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Oh, I just... thanks
2: for picking me up.
1: Also, I want to tell you that you're always welcome to the RV. So, thank you very much, Mark. And, yeah, have a beautiful day. You too. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please... Rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.